Welcome to Land Parties, episode 120 from the Las Vegas Review Journal, brought to you by Blue Wire. I am your host, Ryan Smith, and with me as always, my fantabulous co-host, Lucas Egan. Lucas, how was your weekend, my friend? My weekend was good. It was spent largely recovering again. I, I went out to NAB <laughs> last week. Uh, and yeah. let me tell you, man, I had forgotten how big that convention is. And it spreads into multiple buildings at the convention center. And my legs were not ready for that <laughs> much <laughs> walking, let me tell you. But no, honestly, NAB has always been one of my favorite conventions to go to, to be around other people, uh, obviously in the broadcast industry, uh, to, to talk to people from around the world and kind of gain some insights into some trends that are going on in our industry. So it was just nice. Uh, the convention that I probably missed the most throughout the pandemic, so I'm glad that it's finally back and mm -hmm. uh yeah other than that uh no no i did not touch sifu but i played some more pokemon to relax now <laughs> in my defense in my hey, defense hey. given how tired i was yes. <laughs> not the time not the time yeah but how was your weekend ryan not bad i am feeling much better than i was last week again uh what an amazing interview thank you so much jason kelly it was so much fun having him on uh the show uh we could have talked to him for hours like seriously like <laughs> it was crazy um but yeah the weekend i i've been uh i've got other project work wise i'm going to like i've literally been going since last monday uh had to work through the weekend um and and i should be finishing up today so i'm excited about that to get past that the show is this thursday uh so it should be Good. So I haven't really had a lot of time to play. I played a little bit of Tiny Tina's. Uh, like I was saying earlier, I got some more RAM coming, so I should be able to play Destiny again. I've been missing it. Haven't played it since uh, we had that catastrophe here a couple weeks ago with my PC. Um, so I'm just kind of, I mean, it's just been a crazy whirlwind, you know, we were in, we were in Boston last week. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I was sick, you know, a bunch of work stuff. So it's, it's been, it's been crazy. It's been crazy. I'm ready to get some projects off my plate and be able to kind of take it in and reset again. So, uh, it, it should be good. It should be good. But, uh, yo, we, we've had some, some pretty, spicy news dropped today and this story is extra interesting to me just because i didn't realize who the company was but um square enix just uh i don't know if people pronounce it enix or enix um they they just uh sold off some of their assets uh this morning to a group called embracer group mm -hmm. and if you've never heard of them before i was in the same boat but what i know now now after doing some research is that we do know them they are thq nordic or they were nordic uh they were just nordic before uh they they gobbled up uh, thq i didn't realize that they had rebranded and you know i, I had no idea the library that they already have. Uh, they are acquiring from Square Enix. Number one, they did it. What was it? 200, 300 million, right? Right. 300 million, I think was the deal. 300 yeah. million. Yeah. yeah. 300 million 
for the likes of Crystal Dynamics, as you guys know, uh, they did Avengers. Uh, I'm wearing it. I'm 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 <laughs> doing this on purpose. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and we know that 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 game lost a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of you know on Square side of things. It, it kind of makes you wonder too if they're just kind of leaning out. So these were Western companies that really haven't been able to meet their I guess budgetary marks and, and they've been having uh, issues with that. So I feel like in today's age, um, this is uh, an absolute steal. Sorry. It was not only, not only crystal dynamics, uh, Eidos Montreal Mm -hmm. and square Enix Montreal. So uh, the new tomb Raider series is a part of that. Um, Who else? Who else is uh, uh, a part of that? There's some, Sorry, go ahead. Oh, Deus Ex? Say, yeah, Deus Ex, uh, Legacy Deus of Kane. So they get a they get a, a pretty good stable of, of IPs in there. I would say that uh, with with the stable of, of properties that they have, it, it's it's uh, makes a lot of sense for Embracer Group's part. Uh, obviously, with the announcement that a new Tomb Raider is coming uh, in the new Unreal Engine, that is uh, very intriguing for a lot of people, uh, myself included. I'll be interested to see if that new Tomb Raider is more of a a new reboot or if it's going to kind of continue the series that they established uh, with that most recent trilogy of games. And... Yeah, you know, for Embracer Group, this is a, a great acquisition. Uh, they are picking up a very strong stable of IPs. Uh, and I'm interested to see if they're going to revive any of the back catalog. Uh, fingers crossed that we'll see some of those properties kind of get back into the limelight. Uh, Deus Ex has always been a series that I've enjoyed. Uh, so I would love to see a new Deus Ex game kind of come into the fold. Uh, and then, you know, for Square Enix... Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm torn on on seeing them kind of part. Uh, obviously, that partnership had had uh, come out with some very strong games. Uh, obviously, the Tomb Raider series uh, comes to mind most recently as as a, a prolonged stretch of success. But they could be more focused on uh, pulling out from the Western developers, uh, Ryan, as I think you were starting to say there. So. It's a good acquisition, I think, for Embracer Group. Uh, as always, I'll be interested to see where they go from here. Uh, they do pick up a lot of good and strong employees and, and developing developer groups. Uh, so hopefully that's a smooth transition for them. Hopefully that there's jobs waiting for them. And yeah, we'll see what's coming. I'm excited. I'm always intrigued with these acquisitions to see what comes down the pipeline. Uh, and you know, this, maybe, maybe this does mean we'll see some new directions for some of these series. Uh, and again, fingers crossed that some of the back catalog comes back because that would always be cool, especially in today's age. Yeah. What, 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 I mean, it's just absolutely huge. Uh, I, I especially feel too, I, I, it's, it's such a great deal. And I think this is, this could be, this actually like something like this makes me a little more optimistic for some IPs that I don't think Square was going to touch anymore, you know, and I think this brings a good point too to the fact that there's a lot of these AAA companies that just bank on one or two franchises to basically carry the business. Whereas I I feel like these I, I feel like these guys over at Embracer or these guys and gals over at Embracer um, are kind of 
spreading around their eggs into multiple baskets. You know what I mean? They're not mm-hmm. just saying, hey, we're looking for top tier. They're just looking to kind of hit a bunch of different games and different genres and whatever is going to be successful. Like they didn't, I didn't realize they're, they're the people that are behind uh, Valheim. Uh, you know, one of the one, you know, that they're a part of that uh, uh, group as well. So it's like they have all these and I didn't realize how big they are, too. Like they they are bigger. They're saying employee wise, they are bigger than Activision Blizzard, uh, which is insane to me because I'm just like before today, I couldn't have told you who who you know, I have to keep looking at the name because I'm just like, what is the name again? Yep, me <laughs> it too. is what? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, this is I, I I think this could potentially, especially for consumers, uh, this could be a lot of fun. We could see IPs that we haven't heard from in a while come back. Um, we know that there's also uh, you know, they've got their footprint in the mobile market too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're gathering up these uh these games and these uh these uh, titles that now they can move forward or do whatever they would like to do uh, with it. So I, 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 you know, I, I kind of like little moves like this. Not only that, I didn't realize too, that they also, you know, who's, who else is underneath their uh, umbrella, the folks over at, um, oh my goodness, I cannot, uh, who did little nightmares. The oh, folks that did, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. yes. I had no idea. I was like, "What? When?" So, like, I think that was a, I think that was a recent uh, acquisition. So, uh, you know, they're they they've got their footprint all over, and I love the fact that they're not just looking to bank on one big title. Uh, they're they're spreading the love around. They're they're they are fine just putting out good games, and if something's a hit, awesome. Otherwise. They've diversified themselves so much. There's not just one particular thing that if it fails, the whole company fails, which is just smart business, right? you know, in itself. So you love to see somebody doing it right. And I'm excited to see what the future is. Not only that, but and I'm curious to see if there's going to be any like employees that speak out or say anything as far as their experience with Square. Again, I'm not I'm not trying to say that there is anything shady going on with it but mm-hmm. obviously to go it's got to be scary for those current employees anybody that's been a part of like a corporate merger or something like that you don't know if you're if your tickets up or not right you know they'll come in with big smiles and 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 all this and that but like a couple months down the road all of a sudden you're just like look listen uh we're gonna have to make some budget cuts like whoa that's not what you're saying so we'll, we'll see what happens i i don't feel that um that's the case so i just feel like uh uh they're they are the group is just bolstering an already solid lineup of developers so this this is really cool to see. And they got a first seal, I right. feel. I mean, they rebooted. Yep. People are back in with Tomb Raider. Plus, you've got a wide, wide, you know, from back in the day, OG to t- Tomb Raider to now. That's a wide collection of games and mm-hmm. just IPs to be able to to be like, ah, we can go and, and, and do whatever we'd like now uh, with this. So I think this is exciting. I like it. Me too. Me too. I look forward to what's next. Uh, shifting to some not so exciting news. Uh, 
so the Prince of Persia Sands, Sands of Time was one of like my favorite games growing up. Like that was one of the in that span of one of the first games I played on my original Xbox. So that was part of my introduction to home console gaming there back in in the good old days. Uh, so the remake <laughs> naturally got me excited. And just just for reference, they announced the remake in September 2020, saying that it was going to come out in early 2021 i think the original release date was january then they delayed Mm -hmm. it to march of 2021 then they just delayed it indefinitely and now (laughs) this week we get news that ubisoft montreal is taking over development of the remake so (laughs) it's not coming anytime soon and ryan this is actually pretty worrisome because at least in September 2020, they thought they were close enough to being finished that they could come out in a matter of months. And now here we are, approaching two years to that point, and now a new studio is stepping in to or to take <laughs> over. Ryan, this is never a good sign. No, nah, it's not a good look at all. Uh, the last time I remember that happening that deeply affected me was after Anthem uh, was already struggling. And then they say, we're going to come out with Anthem 2.0. We've got a new, smaller studio working on it. Uh, yada, yada, yada. And then and then nothing for a few months. And then it was like, uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to close down Anthem. Uh, it's just not uh, working out and, and this and that. So I know the sting of, of that. But, yeah, this is, I mean, clearly, I don't know why they're having... And why there's been so many issues. I mean, obviously, there's the obvious reasons, uh, such as the pandemic Mm -hmm. and that. But, I mean, when you have a new studio and they're moving them over, I mean, essentially, I would think that they would be starting over with whatever their idea is. Or maybe they do cherry pick some things that have already been implemented or done. I don't even know, you know, again, what kind of progress they are are even at um i've never played any of the series so i don't really have a connection to it but i know a lot of people do like you're saying it's a it's a game that you that you deeply remember especially uh from when you first started experiencing uh video games so it it yeah it's unfortunate though because i know people like it it looks like a cool series um i don't really i'm kind of just like meh (laughs) <laughs> whatever it it you know it I, I can i'm just like yeah but i don't i don't think it's a good look for those that have been patiently waiting mm-hmm. for this to come out you are gonna have to hold on to some more of that patience because sounds like it's gonna be a little bit it's, <laughs> you know it's confusing to me because like i said in september 2020 when they made that announcement, they apparently felt confident enough to release it in a matter of months. And then somewhere after that announcement, apparently things were just off the rails. And I think what is even more worrisome to me is, uh, you know, as opposed to a game like Anthem, uh, Prince of Persia is a, a, a contained narrative. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's not this big online experience. So I think that is also worrisome to me because it doesn't feel like it has as many things that that might trip it up as like a a giant game like Anthem was trying to be might have to deal with. Uh, And so, yeah, to go from early 2021 
to who knows when we're going to see it. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> maybe we'll see this in a couple of years, but all of a sudden, I mean, maybe 2024. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> right. It, it's, and who knows it's, how much I, well, I think too, though, there's some, I mean, I know there's been talks and rumors about Ubisoft possibly getting, getting purchased as well. Uh, I feel like they've definitely struggled um, and for a, a multitude of reasons these last few years, mm-hmm. and they just haven't been putting out content. I, I, I feel like in a lot of these cases, the corporate the corporate side of things took over took over more than the gaming side of things. Right. To you know, and that's just what happens when these biz- businesses get bigger and bigger like that sometimes. And the, the decisions weren't being made that were, that would make them more profitable. You know, Mm -hmm. they were going the other way and looking at those hard money lines, as opposed to, Hey, if you put out solid content, people will throw money into that content. Um, So it's unfortunate to to see, but I I could see that. I mean, again, kind of like, it, it it and I don't know if and and obviously there's been rumors and stuff like that about Square uh getting picked up mm-hmm. and maybe that's what they were doing maybe they were just trying to trim some of the fat before you know they they get gobbled up by somebody I don't know I don't know <laughs> I think this I think this is a game that will sit in limbo until whatever is gonna happen happens we'll see. I could see that. I could see that. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get ready for a quick break. And even though it's just us in this episode, Ryan, we do have an interview treat for everybody. Uh, while I was at NAB, I sat down with Russell uh, Naftal, a co-managing partner at VRWorks, who are probably best known for creating uh, Paranormal Activity The Lost Soul, a VR game uh, from 2017, I think was its original launch. Uh, so we talked about what's next for them and what might be next for the world of vr so uh enjoy that interview after the break and we'll catch you once that interview's done if you love listening to us here on land parties what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show and there's no better place to host than blue wire hustle Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about your favorite team or game, then make your voice heard and hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join.
Oh, what's up, everybody? This is Lucas coming at you from NAB, and I am sitting down with Russell, a co-managing partner at VRWorks, a very exciting company that has done some really cool VR experiences. Russell, how are you doing? How is NAB going for you so far? Uh, doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's going great. It's exhausting, um, especially when it's hot outside and going from building to building up there, but uh, it's going great. Really great people. Great to catch up with people and see people. You know, I know that, that a lot of us were excited to, that NAB was finally back after a tough couple of years. What has it been like to be back to an event like this with people from around the world to get to network and connect and, and, and uh, just meet? It's really great. Luckily, um, for our business, we've had a few events already. Uh, pretty small, right? Not huge. We were out here for DICE, the, the games of that. Uh, that was pretty packed. In fact, uh, my business partner, Alex, had, uh, had, had contracted COVID from that one. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> it's like, because the first time going out, you know, you're, you're actually good, but we're all vaccinated. Um, but uh, it's great. It's great to be out here and, and seeing everyone and actually doing business face-to-face, -face, right? Even being able to talk to you face-to-face -face, mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, on Zoom or, or whatever. But it's great. For people who might be unfamiliar, talk to us about VOWorks. I mean, they've done... You know, the, the one I remember most is the paranormal activity yeah. experience, but talk to us about some of the things you guys create. Yeah, sure. So, um, as you said, VRWorks, Paranormal Activity, The Lost Souls, our first game. Mm -hmm. uh, we did that for uh, PlayStation, PC, console, um, and Quest we just released on. Um, and then uh, we did acquire rights to, to Mission Impossible. We'll see what happens there. Um, and then uh, we discovered that our consumer really was very happy with our horror, right? They want to see more horror from us. So as we analyzed the business on that, on the VR gaming side, you know, we questioned, are we going to create games that we passionately want to make? Or do we want to create games um, that are not passionately, personally, right? Passionately, we love what we do, but, but personally, do we want to make some games like a shooter or something that we really would like to make? Or do we really want to continue with what we had started with horror and push the limits to where we can. So when we created Paranormal Activity, we were pushing the limits on VR. I mean, it was just so early. Right. Uh, we were doing things that, that even Valve didn't want us doing, right? They didn't want us walking in the space with the controllers. They wanted us to use teleport. And mm -hmm. um, But we're like, hey, if we're in VR, it has to be immersive. It has to be visceral. It ha you have to feel like you're there. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, even though we did that in 2017, the tools that were available were so early that we can only push it so far, right? The controls, everyone had a different controller between PlayStation, between Valve, between Oculus, all the controllers, the buttons were laid out differently. So creating control schemes for everyone was a bit awkward at that time. So we said, you know what, if we make another horror title, is it a paranormal activity too? Or is it an original title? Um, and push the limits. Because with paranormal, because it is a an intellectual property from paranormal, we had to stick within that universe. Right. So we didn't have a lot of blood. There wasn't shooting or anything like that. So players want a little more power when they're in that space. Everyone wants to be, you know, a god in their game, right? Yep. So Paranormal is the complete opposite. You were so vulnerable, you had no idea what was going on, and your weapon was your flashlight. That was your security. So for next horror title, let's push it. Let's give 
all our fans, you know, people who really like what we've done, let's give them something they're really looking for, but pushing the limits of terror within, you know, a, a virtual environment. That sounds really exciting. You know, I, I wonder with uh, with things like like the Quest Two, which I think is doing great things in lowering that price point, yeah. uh, untethering, which makes it much more accessible. So now you're buying a console rather than having to have a rig that can then uh, run it, which does raise the cost a lot. But that also means, you know, in, in the Quest standpoint, they're sacrificing some of the power, obviously, yeah. to make it. So how do you deal with a platform like Quest, which is going for mass market but less powerful, versus something like I'm assuming PS VR two, which will be more powerful because it's running off a PlayStation. Right. It's, it's a, a great, great question. question. I mean, it depends on what your goals are for the experience, right? We know that, and I'm a gamer, obviously myself, as I'm sure you are. Sometimes it's about the story, not necessarily about the graphics, right? Mm -hmm. The visuals. Uh, for us in VR, we're both both Alex and myself. We really care about the visuals for what we do because that expands the the immersion right when you really feel that look i mean if it's cartoony and there's a hole in the ground people still question whether they want to walk on that hole but when you make environments as photoreal as possible for for the platform um, we feel that's the kind of experience we want to deliver so we were really happy with what we were able to deliver quality-wise on the Quest, uh -huh. both one and two. Mm -hmm. um, I think we did really well considering uh, the size of our, our files as a game. But um, going forward, I mean, we have to question whether we're going to go stylized or go more photoreal. And we prefer photoreal, maybe with Unreal 5 and some of the more optimization tools out there. Um, we'll be able to make something that looks incredible for that platform. But uh, it's, it's really a valid question, right? Because um, the PSVR 2 is going to be really powerful. Mm -hmm. um, visually, it's going to be beautiful. And the Quest looks, obviously looks great. But um, we're going to get more out of that PSVR 2 than when going to the Quest. Um, but we need the experience to really be equal across all those platforms. So I don't know. I mean, I don't have an answer right now. But uh -huh. I can tell you that visually, we want it to look as, as photo real as possible. You know, the, the paranormal uh, experience was really effective. And uh, so what did you learn from that? Was it when you talk about looking ahead to what's next horror there, how do you push the boundaries? What did you take away from that that will make the next experience even, even scarier for people? It's a great question. So when we were developing this, we actually had to tone it down because neither one of us there, Alex and I, who were the, the creative directors on this, um, we were not afraid at all, right? Nothing was scaring us. Mm -hmm. But when we had people in there and we were testing, people were terrified immediately. So we're like, okay, well, we have to deliver something that's terrifying, but we also don't want to have a consumer too afraid to play. Mm -hmm. So we had to really take it back a little bit. I think going forward, um, we want to challenge people on that fear, right? We know that there, we really paid a tremendous amount of attention to audio. Mm -hmm. We know how to push the audio limits even further, um, but visually, it's more, the game, although there's jump scares in the game, obviously, but it wasn't meant to be jump scares, right? right. It was meant to emotionally sort of, depending on how you play, because the jump scares aren't always the same. Outside mm -hmm. of the story beats, they're randomized. Um, but what we learned is, how do we mess with people on a psychological level, not necessarily on that jump scare level, right? So. The, to go back to your original question, the challenge is going to be 
how do we create a more um, more build up to those fears and a more sense of it's going to happen, but you don't know when it's truly going to happen, as opposed to having that jump scare to sort of satisfy that moment. Maybe the moment plays out in a longer than a jump scare, right? Maybe it's a whether it's a chase sequence or something like that that just stresses you out so much and terrifies you. Um, it maybe ends in a very different way, other than something just being right in front of you at that last moment. That's the kind of stuff we're playing with, right? How do we push the limits of fear without utilizing the typical jump scare? You know, I think it's it's such an exciting time for VR. When I look at the the games that are coming out, uh, you know, I think back to like a Half Life Alex. There it was like those games where I'm like we're finally seeing the must play experiences. Um, how have you seen it develop? And you know, with a property like Mission Impossible, uh, we all think of the crazy set pieces and stunts right. from that film series. Have have you started to try and figure out like how do you get that? thrill that excitement and, and, and bring it into a, a game experience so we can't really talk about that one, okay. but I will tell you in our minds mm-hmm. with that one should we made it um, it was big set mm-hmm. right but it, it is about empowering yourself as to feel that you are an impossible missions force agent right mm-hmm. an IMF agent so um, it was all about empowerment so you can be that superhero not without superhero powers, but just be the luckiest person on the planet, right? Who can uh, just happen to grab on that last little ledge at the last moment and survive. But um, it really was about those big epic moments and about teamwork, right? It's always about team in Mission Impossible. It's not about shooting and killing. Right. So um, it was always about how do you accomplish your mission as a team. What made virtual reality such an appealing platform to you guys? I mean, it's, it's especially in those early days when we were still trying to figure things out, it can be both exciting, but uh, you, you just don't know what's coming, you don't know how things are gonna develop, which platforms are gonna be the ones that kind of stand yeah. the test of time. So what attracted you to VR? I think uh, we come from a, from a distribution platform and content development, so always looking for a new platform and new ways to communicate with consumers. Um, what was exciting to us about games in general is you have this direct connect with consumers. Mm -hmm. So if you can have that connection, bring them into a virtual world that's not 2D in front of them, but actually having an experience in a 360 environment was really intriguing to us because beyond games, in our head we were thinking metaverse, right, all that Mm -hmm. time in the future, for the future. So um, really as a platform, VR and AR, um, enable us to uh, ha- create experiences that are with many people, individuals that simultaneously, um, whether it was an amusement park, right, inside an environment like that, you're engaging with people and you can actually create content out of those moments. Um, so, I mean, things that we can't talk about that we're sort of developing, but it was always exciting to us that being in this virtual environment, we could put anybody anywhere mm-hmm. um, and, and create content around that experience. One of the things that we uh, were really focused early on was education. So we had made that Jesus VR, the Life of Christ movie, right? That's for a consumer, a specific consumer. Um, always knowing that game engine was going to come into play and where we can make utilize that to create virtual productions. And so, um, so 
again, as we start to think about VR and these types of environments, um, to be able to create a story in a 360 environment just was a game changer, right? Doesn't mean it's right for everybody. Right. Um, but it maybe brings in an audience that isn't typically um, watching TV or watching movies that way, you know? Um, I think that short form content is really appealing to, uh, to consumers still. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in a VR environment, it can be really, really engaging, exciting, and especially for education. I know that, that you probably can't talk much in, in terms of specifics there, but in a general sense, I know that, that uh, I know that the friends I have in VR uh, are, are excited for what's coming next from you guys. Can you give us a general sense of, of uh, how excited we should be? You <laughs> um, should always be excited. Uh, we can't talk about it. I, you know, I, I mean, it'll, it'll, for VR works, it'll be horror. Okay. That's think, what it's going to be. I think a lot of people would be happy with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, let me just end on, on a, a kind of a, a bigger VR question there. Yeah. Um, do you see VR headed on the right path to kind of get mass adoption? And, and what's, what are those challenges, do you think, as an industry that will have to be kind of overcome long term to get to the point where we're talking VR in the same breath as like Xbox and PlayStation? Right. I don't think it'll, my opinion, I don't think it's going to be xbox or playstation but i think it's going to be whatever the evolution of vr is mm-hmm. we'll see what happens when apple comes out with theirs and so mm-hmm. on for education for use in home for everyday use of of enterprise i think it's going to be an incredible tool i think it's going to um when you develop product for those who have an inability to travel Right, and you really create a experiential um, destination for these people. I think that if you're going to start to see it used in that form in everyday life, you know, at first we were thinking games in the very beginning, but we don't think about games really. Mm-hmm. Right, it's access. Right. Um, so, I think it's going to be around forever. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be used differently. Right, and I really think education and enterprise is going to be the biggest. Um, but I, you know, we always, we've all talked about this. Everyone in VR has always talked about like in an old age home and then being able to experience life as it was or travel because right. they can't travel. I think that stuff becomes reality for them. You know, going forward, I could see a a old age home having a hundred, you know, Quest headsets or the, whatever the version is at the time in there for them to use. Um, when it becomes easier and you can just use your hands to direct where you want to go for them and so forth. Um, so I think I don't think it's going away. I just think its use is going to be spread out a bit more. Nice. Is there anything else you'd like to add? What can people follow what, uh, what you guys have done in the pipeline? I think, you know what, we'll start sharing stuff soon. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think it's anything yet right now, uh-huh. but we still love that people are supporting Paranormal. We know that we came out in 2017. We didn't expand it. Um, we've just updated, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, fixing any bugs and something. Always getting it to the quest. And so we're trying to get it to as many people as possible. I think if you see anything for paranormal going forward, is we'd like to localize because there's a lot of people out of Germany, France, and all the territories who really want us to create that localized version for them. So that probably would be the next step for it. Um, but we really appreciate everyone still supporting that game and. And look, as a gamer, I wish there was a, a third one out already, right? Personally, 
um, but things don't always work out the way you want it to. Uh, but no, I just want to thank everyone for supporting us. All right, thank you for the time. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. All right, thanks again, Russell, for sitting down with me during NAB. I know that these conventions are crazy times for everybody, so we appreciate the time. And Ryan, I thought he had some pretty interesting things to say, uh, and I wanted to start with with him basically saying uh, that they have found that people really want those horror experiences in VR the most, uh, and I think that makes sense for a couple reasons. I mean, obviously, obviously, the immersion can up the creepiness factor <laughs> to a ridiculous <laughs> degree uh, and give you that true immersion in in a horror universe. Uh, Ryan, mm. I know that you already have reservations <laughs> about mm-hmm. doing any horror games in VR, uh, but I, I think I can understand why they they came to that conclusion. Yeah, no, and, and I mean, who doesn't love, an, love a good horror game? This guy, I here's it's so weird too. I love horror movies, but something about being in a horror game in VR, I don't think my heart could take it. I don't think it can take it. Uh, but I mean, it sounds amazing, and I see, and I know I have a lot of fan or a lot of fans. I have a lot of friends that uh, play horror games, so like I enjoy watching people play horror games more than I enjoy playing horror games. Um, but I'm always down for a good VR experience, you know, and, and what they're doing and what they're creating is again, being able to, I mean, we, we went on, uh, that one ride, uh, that Mm -hmm. one experience, um, and I had no idea just how immersive and, crazy real they i mean shaking going across this beam knowing that that you know what i mean this is vr but like my body physically did not want to do it like it was crazy to me it was awesome uh so yeah good on them and and i can i can very much see people uh uh getting on board and enjoying what they're doing i think it's the right move doubling down and and going that uh horror genre right have you spent much time with your quest uh it's been hit or miss i did i did a lot when i first got it uh recently i haven't had a lot of time uh to sit down and play it i have a ton of games that Mm -hmm. i haven't even touched yet just because i haven't had time to do it and and set it up and i can't remember like how to get Steam VR games connected to <laughs> Oculus. So, like, I got to sit down and do that at some point in time. But uh, I do have, I, and I am building a library, and I enjoy it. I mean, shoot, just the nuance of, of VR chat, mm-hmm. going in and being able to go to these different worlds where I might be playing laser tag and sitting there watching a fashion show next or, you know what I mean, dancing, yep. you know, at a club. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy, and it is a lot of fun. And, again, I... I was for the longest time I said VR is just a fad. It will not last. I believe that about 3d TVs and I was 100%. I was like, it's just not sustainable uh, for the eyes. It's too much, but VR has come a long way from where it was. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to see more people investing in that space, uh, you know, and on that platform and just seeing it, it's only, it's, it's, in infancy right now in terms of what the technology is going to grow to do and be. Yeah. You know what, what I find interesting is, uh, 
when Half-Life Alex came out, like I felt like like if there was ever a title that was going to push VR beyond the horror genre, I felt like that was going to be it. But I, I don't feel mm-hmm. like that stuck with people. Like I don't hear about it talked about, you know, uh, in, in nearly the same way as as people talk about like an Elden Ring or anything like that. So I, I wonder mm-hmm. if 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 just it was too obviously limited by the number of players uh, out on the platforms, right. or if people just didn't get as fully immersed. I don't know. When when I was talking to Russell, it just got me thinking on why we don't see more uh, must play like action shooters uh, on VR platforms, and and it just mm-hmm. yeah, it did make me think of Half Life Alex, and and everything I had read about it said that it was uh, really great to play, uh, but I, I just yeah. I wonder if if a game like Half-Life Alex doesn't connect with people, what it would take uh, for other genres to really come into their own on, on VR. I don't know. It's a pretty interesting issue. I, and I feel like, and I feel like where the, where it didn't get the credit uh, that, that it was due is the fact that the audience and a large chunk of the audience does not have access to VR. Right. So that I, I just don't think that the numbers are quite there to be able to get that full body experience of it. I re- I respect the decision they made to make it only for VR and what you can really do in VR. I can't imagine trying to uh, trying to split it and 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 all that stuff, but um I definitely feel that it hurt its numbers. You know, when mm-hmm. I got it, that's one thing that I thought of. I've never played uh, any of the Half-Life games, and I feel now I could do if I wanted to, because I'm pretty sure I, I think I have them. Uh-huh. Uh, I, it's just a matter of getting to them. Is is now that I have have the Oculus, now I know I could play you know that series in its entirety, uh, right. which is exciting. You know, so that that is definitely on my list of series to play is uh is half-life so i think it only gets better from here mm-hmm. and the technology will increase and everything will get better in terms of of that and and what is doable pushing the boundaries for games and i really mm-hmm. think i mean people talk about the you know uh, metaverse like the metaverse has been here you know, now we have a more affordable means of being able to jump in. It's just a matter of getting it into uh, uh, more of an amount of people's hands, essentially. Because right. it's only a matter of time before there's bootleg, you know, VR machines getting made yep. and and all that stuff. So it's it's inevitable. It's inevitable. <laughs> there is one more thing I'd, I'd love to get your your opinion on, Ryan, uh, and and something yeah. that Russell and I talked about too was, uh, you know, obviously the Quest has done wonders in, in getting VR headsets uh, into more and more people uh, people's hands at an affordable price point or a more affordable mm-hmm. affordable price point anyway. And you know, it is great that you can connect it to a PC to kind of play some of those higher end uh, VR games. Uh, yeah. But I think that the number of people who do that are in the minority. I think a lot of people who buy Quest are like, hey, it's an all-in-one package. It can be standalone. Uh, so, Ryan, I wonder what you think about maybe the the power differences between platforms. You know, I'm going to guess that PSVR 2 is more powerful than the Quest 2, uh, obviously because it's going to run off your PS5. Uh, so mm-hmm. when it seems... <coughs> excuse me. It seems to me... <laughs> that presents a challenge for developers 
because you're going to have one maybe significantly more so powerful platform than the other, whereas the less powerful platform might be in more people's hands uh, just because of the approachability and price point. Ryan, where do you see that balance on how developers can like tackle that problem? Or do you think we just need to get to the point where power is more standardized? Uh yeah, that's a that's a tough question because I mean to to do that, I feel that it would take a lot of upfront money mm-hmm. uh, to standardize. People would have to go back in. I, I went through something similar where we did the change from SD to having to be HD, uh-huh. and uh, you know there there was a lot of money that we had to put in upfront in order to be able to then meet these new standards. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it hurt and it it was inevitable, you know, again, something else, another inevitability is, you know, was that we had to do that and that was the future. Um, So it's a matter of, I I think it comes down to a matter of cost, whether people are, are, if they're willing to say, all right, we're willing to have to put this money in place and we just standardize everything in a long run. It'll make things easier developmental wise, but in the front end, I don't even know how that works behind the scenes or who would actually be paying the money. Um, But somebody, I imagine there'd be costs up front to be able to then meet those standards, unless you somehow are already meeting those standards then it wouldn't apply to you. Right. Um, Otherwise it's just a matter of, I, I don't know what that workflow would look like behind the scenes. Do you develop the high end and then go from there and then go back down? Or do you start from the, the, the bottom and then essentially apply the high end stuff to create another one? Regardless, it sounds like you may be doing the work twice right uh in order uh, again this is just speculation i don't know what that process looks like i'm just uh making this up but uh i feel like that's the way it goes <laughs> so you know that's something and i think there's a lot to be said with the video game industry it it's just still not where i think it's going to end up Mm-hmm. Um, I I think there there eventually will be, and we've already kind of signed it, you know, seen it is some unionization, which I think it desperately needs. Uh-huh. Um, there may be, and and I don't know, like as far as regulatory uh things that come in place, I don't know what it looks like, but um, I what I do know is that people are taking more and more notice to the industry as a whole. And that's because of how much money it generates and the potential of money it has to generate. Right. So that's where we're getting that weird, Hey, you've got the gaming community, but then you've got more and more of this, uh, corporate, uh, side that's coming in and encroaching on this, on what it, what it was or how it started out. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, which way things pivot and which way things go. Uh, You know, I think already we can see that if things get too corporate and they do get in this model of, Hey, we've got to pump out this game and, and our whole company rides on this game being successful as opposed to, Hey man, we're doing all kinds of things and you know, we're just putting out things. We think we're putting out good games. Right. Some of them have, have, you know, really bolstered. I feel like there's this 
the 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 middle that people forget. People always think about the top. People think about the bottom. But you've got a whole big middle section that also needs filling. Yep. And I think, you know, that's exactly what's happening there. These middle ground companies that are just pumping out stuff and and they do what they they're doing, whatever they need to. And they're both being able to appease the corporate side of things uh, along with the community and the gaming side of things. I think they're doing things right. And, and it'll be interesting to see how much people and, and some of these other companies have to make these shifts, especially as people are getting gobbled up. Right. Uh, we understand and, and have way more facts now, just how horrible the work culture and that that whole industry behind the scenes has been and and uh you know the reckoning is is here mm-hmm. for that side and things are changing and either you get on board or or I don't believe you'll exist in the near future yeah that's for sure that's for sure and and you know in, in a lot of cases these reckonings that are happening should have happened a long time ago uh right. and uh <laughs> I mean, better late than never, I guess, on one hand, but my goodness, it's, it's, you know, right. I know we've said this before to each other. It's, it's always disheartening to see when, when, uh, another reckoning is even required. Cause you, you just hoped we would be at least past the point that we've seen things not be the past. So, eh. Uh, anyway, anyway, uh, thank you again <laughs> to Russell for that. That uh, it was yes. a really compelling conversation. By the way, Ryan, while he, I know he wouldn't give us specifics on what their next projects are, but he did with that tease that they want to push the boundaries of horror. Whenever that game comes out, Ryan, I am gifting that game to you. I am oh, gifting it my to you. Goodness. <laughs> mm. Why this man over here is trying so desperately to get me to play a VR horror game? Cause I'll hate it. I think <laughs> I think the world needs this, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it has to be streamed, correct? It does. It does. Okay. Okay. By the way, okay. okay. Let me. You know what? Let's just get real about this. We have discussed what it would take in the background uh, <laughs> for to get Ryan to play a VR game. Uh, a VR horror game. Let me let me not <laughs> to be specific about that. <laughs> so yes, yes, I'm just gonna put it out there right now. You guys can expect a fundraising campaign very soon. And when we meet this that guy. goal, Ryan, get ready, and Yo. we will all enjoy that moment. I will. I will. You know, as long as it and and always for a good cause. I am absolutely down, my friend. It'll be terrible, but but for for the right reasons, absolutely. Just just tell your kids to stay away for for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Why is your screaming coming out of the computer room? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that we have one more topic, Ryan, that is yes. near and dear to your heart, <laughs> and yes. that is Overwatch Two. Oh. Ryan, share some details. I. I can't believe I can't believe I didn't say anything about this earlier either on my weekend because this is this basically consisted of my weekend was playing Overwatch 2 and boy oh boy did we have some fun it felt good I know one of my main concerns was them announcing the announcement of only one tank 
And, you know, previously it was always been a 6v6 game. They changed it to a 5v5 game. And I think it's fantastic. I think it completely changes the dynamic of the game. And there's been a lot of people that have kind of just been joking around like, oh, hey, is it, uh, how's how's Overwatch 1.1 and the reskin of Overwatch? And, and, I mean, to be honest, the graphics look way better. The sound design, mwah. They did a fantastic, those guns sound meaty. They sound (laughs) meaty. And uh, the gameplay overall, it was a lot of fun. And I hadn't played Overwatch in months, but I had a blast playing. It felt great. It felt familiar, yet there was definitely a nuance to it. And and mind you, this is only the PvP uh, beta. So I imagine uh, that we'll be getting some sort of PvE beta uh, at some point in time as well. So there was a time where I thought this game didn't really exist. This <laughs> makes me feel a lot better. Um, there's also, also there's still opportunities to get into the early access starting tomorrow as of the release of this podcast. This coming up Thursday, the 5th, uh, if you start watching Overwatch League uh, starts up, if you watch on YouTube for an hour, you got to make sure that your account is connected. But if you watch for an hour, you will get access to the beta. So and I believe there's other dates as well that you could check online. But if you if you play it, I, I would say it's definitely worth giving it a shot. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I played played with my friend Kitty Chaos uh and and kith and uh we just had a it was it it felt like old times it felt (laughs) like old times and i had a blast so it was good to see overwatch too what about you man are you gonna are you gonna try to get in on this or what i think so and you know it's funny because i think people forget how addicting overwatch was especially in the beginning like how many how many of us spent like countless hours playing it uh you know that right. uh i think you know, i said this early on in in our, our uh, land parties shows uh, uh overwatch was the game i used to play with my brother all the time you know my brother's uh teaching overseas and so this was like one right. of those games we could connect on and and play with each other and and uh so i always i have fond memories with this series uh and so yeah, I'm excited. I'm glad to hear good things from you, Ryan. The the changes, the nuances, the differences you're seeing in, in 5v5, do you think that was a necessary change to kind of refresh people and, and get people uh, ready for something a little bit new and a little bit different? Yeah, and, and with a lot of that, too, is they did a lot of reworking, especially of some of these tanks. Some people, they're basically the same, but, like, very notably, uh, Orisa has a lot of changes. Winston has a, 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 a basically a long shot now, uh, so he's not just confined to jumping in and then having to jump out. He can do a little sniping. Uh-huh. Uh, Zenyatta felt great. Uh, he felt even better than before. One of the big things that I did notice is with there only being one tank, number one, if you are a healer, you better know how to duel because if you can't kill people, you are going to get got like it's nobody's business because the heals get extra focused on just because there's the one tank. Right. Um, the tanks definitely feel a little more tanky, uh, but nothing nothing uh, having a Zenyatta can't do to to knock that down a little bit. So, um, yeah, there, there were some other, some other, uh, changes overall though, man, like it just felt good. It felt good playing it again. Uh And this got me, this got me excited. 
Um, I know that there's a plan too. They've talked a little bit about, uh, they were talking about by the end of 2023, I think there's talks of them releasing up to six new heroes uh, by then. I know, right? So they're definitely, and they're going to have to do that. You know, this is, I feel like this is that rework that they needed. They never, they weren't pushing out stuff like that fast enough. So I think they've got a better plan in place. I think they're positioning and they are positioning themselves to be in a better place to be able to do that. I'm actually excited for this. I know there's going to be a lot of people that are like dead game. Blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't care. I love this game. This is one of my favorite all time games Obviously, of all time. It, and a, a very, <laughs> very important step for them to have this positive reception, especially among mm-hmm. people that love the first game. So that's good to see. Cause uh, this could have snowballed badly. If, that initial crowd just was just like, eh. <laughs> right. So it's good. Yeah. It's good to hear such positive reaction. Absolutely. Absolutely. So good to be playing it again. I can say that. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was good, man. It how are you, good. how are you possibly going to balance overwatch and destiny? I have no idea. Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, Tuesdays, I could do something. No, I don't know. I play Destiny a lot off stream uh-huh. and and do a lot of the grindy stuff there. But uh, you know, I've got I've always got room for Overwatch. Overwatch <laughs> is just a good time. It's something you know, stream wise. There's some friends that uh that play as well, and people that that uh come into stream. So like, it's always a good time just to meet people and and meet people from the community and uh uh yeah it's just yeah it just feels good to to it felt great to play it again it had been it had been months since i've even played it off stream so it was just a lot of fun getting it back in it felt very very familiar yet there was definitely i could definitely feel the change in the gameplay and the gameplay style from what i experienced good and the servers were great so I thought there might be server issues. I never experienced any. See, they're already ahead of a lot of games. That, that, yep. Even with their official yep. launches. <laughs> yeah. So that is, that is good. But yeah, man, uh, what do you got going on next or this coming up weekend? Sorry. Well, I've, I've decided in addition to my goal to pick up Sifu again, uh, I yeah. am busting out. I am, That's an ongoing goal. Right? I am busting <laughs> out my the original Xbox, and darn it, I am going to... I'm gonna fill my Prince of Persia need by playing it on Boom. the original Xbox. <laughs> nice. What nice. about you, Ryan? What are you up to this weekend? Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know. It's gonna be nice because I'm gonna try to take this Friday off. Uh, try to get some of that time in. Um, so probably just relax, get back, kind of get back to stasis, do some, do some cleaning and and game wise. So tiny Tina for sure. Uh, once I get this RAM, like I said, I should be able to get back on that Destiny grind. So I'm sure I'll be getting on that and then. I believe, as long as I get that, I'm going to try to continue my adventure with the Lego Star Wars, uh, the Skywalker saga. So I had some fun playing that as well. So that is the immediate plan for now, but who knows how it'll play out. (laughs) I like it. 
Absolutely. Yo, thank you guys so much for joining us. Again, don't forget, check us out on the tweeters at Lampardies Pod, at Lucas Egan, or at Smitty2447. We hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week. And you know what it is. We love your faces. <laughs>